Welcome everybody to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In today's episode, I'll be breaking down episode 5 and 6 of the third season of Barry. Episode number 5 is called Crazy Time Shit Show. And episode 6 is called 710N or 710 North, the highway in California, where we see a very memorable highway chase. Before we get into the breakdown, just a reminder that I'd like to reach out to any other podcasters that are listening to this and would like to network. Definitely interested in getting to know more of you, especially if you're an indie podcaster like I am, and especially if you are in the tri-state area. And also, if you have any friends or family that are podcasters and might be interested in reaching out to me, give them my contact information, need some introduction at gmail.com. Also this weekend, you may have noticed I dropped an episode where we had some reviews for the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, a show that we will be continuing to cover here in the feed. Of course, last week we had a very popular episode where a discussion I had with Sona, and immediately after watching the excellent mid-season finale of this final season of Better Call Saul. And that show will be on hiatus until July 11th. But in the meantime, more conversations about Barry... Obi-Wan Kenobi show, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, The Boys, The Boys is coming back, Stranger Things, which I reviewed in that same episode, this over the weekend, and we'll have the finale of that season as well, coming at the beginning of July, with two super long episodes, as if these episodes weren't long enough, by the way. My one criticism of this Stranger Things season, which was pretty good, I'd have to say, was that these episodes were just way too long. They could have easily shaved off 10, 15 minutes of each one of those. And now we'll have two supersized episodes, a one and a half hour episode, and then a two and a half hour episode <laughs> to wrap up this season. And those are coming around the 4th of July holiday. In that window of time, as I mentioned, we will be covering The Boys, the Amazon Prime show, hugely successful, and Only Murders in the Building. We'll be have some commentary on that as well, which is coming later in the month. And Sona and I did cover the Only Murders in the Building season one, very entertaining show. And check out those recaps if you haven't already in preparation for season two with a whole bunch of new guest stars. And also over the weekend, you may have noticed that I re reviewed the new Top Gun sequel. And as I expected, the box office was massive, even more so than I had expected. I think it set a record for Memorial Day weekend. Very impressive with COVID still keeping some older, mostly moviegoers away from theaters. And I think it's going to be have a very leggy run. This is going to be one of Tom Cruise's very biggest hit films. It would shocking as he is about to turn 60 that he can still be maybe the biggest movie star in the world, even after all this time. A mantle that he refuses to give up pretty much like Maverick in that show, in that movie as well. <laughs> Little autobiography there, possibly. And there will be more reviews coming over the course of the summer. And of course, we will return in our usual format weekly with the remainder of the Better Call Saul season. So stay tuned for all of that. Subscribe so you know when those episodes become available. And reach out to me, especially if you're a podcaster who'd like to participate in the show, promote your shows, or just network. So to the recap, episode five, Crazy Time Shit Show, <laughs> which is a piece of dialogue that gets spoken in this episode of the show. We open with a flashback, a very important flashback. We've seen multiple flashbacks this season that have gone back to Barry's previous kills that we've witnessed on the show itself. And we go to a very important flashback sequence here at the beginning, which is the origin, is the moment where Barry becomes the killer. And what we see is that he's deployed and 
one of his friends is shot, shot in the face. And I had actually suspected that he might have died from the shot. And this is the moment that Barry flips that switch, massacres everybody in the town, including some innocent civilians. And eventually this gets him kicked out of the military and into Fuchs's hands, all leading to the events of this season, of this show, I should say. So very important that this is the moment we're seeing here. But it turns out that soldier did not die from that gunshot wound, survived. And that soldier turns out to be Albert Nguyen, who's now an FBI agent and is here to investigate the murder of the detective. And he makes a pretty auspicious debut here in the fact that he shows up to see these kind of bumbling detectives that we've been seeing throughout the show, who are pretty confident about the story that Noho Hank told them that she was killed by the Raven, <laughs> who is Fuchs. This is the scapegoat they have for this cover story to protect uh, Barry. And he immediately says, that's ridiculous, <laughs> which of course offends them greatly, especially Big Cat, <laughs> because he is very vested in this mythology for whatever reason. And of course, as soon as they mention, oh, you know, one of your friends was there, Barry Berkman. And at this moment, when he mentions that he was with him and lending moral support, Albert seems to be, and spoilers here, because I've seen the following episode, he starts getting more suspicious of Barry. But at this moment, he's like, yeah, it sounds like him. He's a good guy. Big Cat wants to give everybody a nickname, gives him the nickname of Tough Turf. Meanwhile, Sally's happy to see that her show is on the front page of the website, the Banshee website, which is this kind of a lifetime analog, I guess, a woman-focused network. And she's just thrilled, still in the afterglow of everything that's happened. And they go out and about, assuming that overnight she's already going to be famous. People are going to recognize her, even though the show has just popped up on streaming moments before. <laughs> that's not how fame works, actually. And out of curiosity, they pop up that website again, and now the new Medusas are on the front page of Banshee, and not her show, which is basically buried. They can't even find it when they try to search for it. By the way, the new Medusas has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, so maybe not so hard to get a Rotten Tomatoes score that's pretty high. And 92% from the audience, so people are fans. I love the tagline here for the new Medusas, by the way. They're more than just charming. They're three goddesses that just want to have fun. Just don't get caught staring. <laughs> like, I guess you get turned to stone if you stare at them. Barry, having been kicked out of Sally's apartment, has moved back in with his old roommates. And he's now stuck in his rehearsal, in their rehearsal room, which is a pretty big room, by the way. And they've given him just a corner of it. By the way, nice to see Daryl Britt Gibson here. HBO always does a good job of keeping their actors in their fold. I remember him all the way back from The Wire. And now currently doing very good work on We Own the City. And still coming back for his bit role here <laughs> in uh, on Barry still. It's a good to keep that relationship with HBO because you do see these actors, these character actors keep cycling through these different shows. So Gene shows up for some extra scenes, uh, his extended role on Laws of Humanity, and gives a heartfelt apology to the showrunner who he had previously, many, many years before, been absolutely horrible to. And this really seems heartfelt. So this is the most touching part of the season of the show, <laughs> which makes me worry about how things are going to go for Gene, because he really honestly doesn't just seem to be manipulating in his this apology tour he's going on. It seems to be that he honestly has turned a corner here, which makes me wonder, worry about what's going to happen to him <laughs> by the end of this season. Fuchs has tracked down another one of Barry's victims. And in this case, I believe Barry had recruited this motocross cyclist's brother to be part of this hit that he had on the Chechens. And I honestly don't blame Barry for <laughs> this death. I mean, this one seems to be on 
this guy himself. And the sister seems to be pretty uninterested in taking up Fuchs on his offer, except the one thing, somehow, the murder, the death of her brother is not the thing that triggers her because she's like, yeah, he was kind of a jerk. Yeah, sounds like him. He was involved with some shady folks. It turns out he claims that Barry owes him $1,700 for a hot tub. And this is the thing that, for whatever reason, gets her on board with this vengeance plot on Barry. Sally, meanwhile, turns up at Banshee's headquarters complaining about the fact that she's just disappeared from the front page. And this whole sequence is very funny. I like all the little details here. I love that the artwork on the wall for Banshee is basically someone having like a as, as like a woman in a mask having like an orgasm. This does not seem to be like a very empowered <laughs> version of the femininity that they might be selling on this network. And also funny to see their excuse for why Joplin has disappeared from the front page that even though it's very critics loved it and even though no one's even had a chance to see it yet that the algorithm the algorithm has decided that the audience is not engaging properly it's not the correct type of engagement that the audience is getting so immediately they just know they know even after just a few hours they can see the trend line and the algorithm has decided the show has to come off the air and uh and no one can do anything that the algorithm <laughs> does not agree with apparently we are canceling the show what why? Well, the algorithm felt it wasn't hitting the right taste clusters. T taste clusters? Mm. It's been 12 hours. Don't we need time to get word of mouth? Oh, the algorithm takes word of mouth into account, mm. but it considers other things too. For instance, if viewers see someone eating dessert within the first two minutes of the episode, they almost always finish the entire season. Always. Oh, and it's not just dessert. The same goes for Central Park. Yes. Kittens, Dev Patel. Dev, Dev Patel. We, we have a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. 98. And people were, they were crying at the screening. I know. And I was one of them, but I guess I was wrong. <laughs> Apparently I was wrong. So it, the algorithm tells you everything. And if you feel differently about it, well, then you must be wrong because the algorithm knows. Uh, those taste clusters <laughs> comment, by the way, is something that uh, Netflix got made fun of for this idea of taste clusters. So I think that's not where that language comes from. Gene's rented a really nice house for his son. Once again, seems to be no strings attached. He seems to honestly just be trying to reform himself given this second lease on life that he has. So Barry inadvertently just being an angel of death and just trying to do his own version of a apology tour has somehow infected Gene with a legitimate version of this. And then we have a really funny sequence where Barry confronts the only confidants he has left, Hank and Cristobal. Which really, who really don't want him there, by the way. But he lays it all out on the line. And I love their reaction here where they're saying, well, you know what? You do have an anger problem. <laughs> She's probably picking up on that. And what you really need to do is like let her in on who you really are. But interestingly, during this whole entire sequence is Cristobal's expression because he has something to say to Hank, which of course he has not yet told him, that he has this whole other life back in Bolivia. Barry. You have massive, massive rage issues. And I think they are triggered when you feel slighted, maybe. And perhaps that would not happen if you were honest up front. Like Sally can't know who I am. Oh, obviously. But I'm talking about small gesture, you know, something creative, the real you. 
our first night, uh, when we here in the house, I make Hank traditional Bolivian meal. It was Kevin. And yeah, it, well, it made me feel very close to him. Cristobal and I thrive on little moments like that and honesty. Uh, yeah. Honesty. And honesty, which, of course, leads us to see Elena arrive. I like her interaction here, by the way, with the soldiers saying, well, where were you when this house got blown up? And they're like, well, we were out dancing. <laughs> they were out dancing, so they missed all the action. But they already know where he's holed up. And she wants to know where Cristobal is. Take me to him right away. Meanwhile, also speaking of NoHo Hank, we see that Albert is calling out Hank's story as complete bullshit. And he says, you have gone to the nursery and raided it and brought in these guys, right? Because they are dangerous criminals. But of course, they have not. They've been tracking down the raven. Barry stops at the CVS or craft store, wherever it happens to be, to pick up some arts and crafts. <laughs> and I already knew right at this moment what he was planning to do when they were talking about how he needs to make her something that shows him the real him but it's this is so great <laughs> what he actually ends up making her but what he happens to run into without realizing it is the son who's here for vengeance on for his father's death annabelle gish's character's son here and totally by chance he's just like scoping out the place and just happens to run into him he can't believe it and she recommends that they wait for later in the day to, to follow him once he exits again then we get to this absolute comic highlight of the entire episode and we see batir batir showing the chechens this hugely successful operation they have like right in the parking lot look at this we built this whole thing in this parking lot and he kind of walks around it and they're pretty unimpressed with it so he goes wait wait you you got to see this from higher up that this is how you know to get a real feel for how great this is and oh man one of the chechen bosses is uh, michael ironside almost unrecognizable I haven't seen him on screen in many years he of scanners fame and starship troopers fame just the name too of many many tough guy roles that this guy played in the 80s and 90s so as he's facetiming as batir is facetiming with <laughs> the guys back in chechnya we see the bolivians roll in and the police simultaneously <laughs> this is hilarious this is where the crazy time shit show <laughs> line is spoken and he just drops the phone by the way <laughs> he doesn't just you know take the phone with him even he just drops it on the ground and walks away but he does escape. There's even a, like a suicide bombing here. <laughs> One of the Bolivians blows himself up. I'm not sure what the fallout of all that is. I mean, I assume some of the police officers may have even died in this crazy conflagration here at the heroin greenhouse. Gene, meanwhile, had taken up Joe Montaigne on his offer and shows up at his dinner party. And we see Laura Giancomo is here, an ex-lover and uh, someone who worked with him on as a stage manager, I believe, or producer of some of the shows that Gene worked on. And this makes Gene's blood run cold, basically. Meanwhile, the Bolivians arrive at Hank's apartment. Elena is there. They capture Cristobal. And now <clears throat> Elena knows Cristobal's secret as well. And she's heartbroken by this. Although Hank escapes by hiding inside of a closet. Ironic, perhaps. And back at the dinner party, we see that Gene continues to do these apologies, very earnest apologies that he's been making. And he has a special apology for his ex. After she rejected him or after the relationship ended, he had gone out of his way to ruin her career and she does not forgive him. And that's like the one sour moment here on this whole entire apology tour that he's been on. And then we get another comic highlight here in the episode. We see what Barry has left behind for Sally. Not only a note to say, here's your keys. 
but also you want to know what I was about. Here's what I'm about. <laughs> and these are just some of the things we see on this vision board. He has, we has Ohio, Metallica, acting. He's got the masks for tragedy and comedy. Michael Jordan. He's a Bulls fan, apparently, or at least a Jordan fan. Willie Nelson, Budweiser. Oh, and Twix. <laughs> also a fan of Twix. And as he's about to leave, Sally shows up and he tries to be the supportive boyfriend and saying, it's terrible that this happened to you. And he, in his own sociopathic way, <laughs> thinks he has a plan to help her get over this slight she had from this producer. Do you know where she lives? I don't know. What, were you going to, like, send her an angry letter or something? No, no nothing like that. It's going to freak her out a little bit. Freak her out how? Oh, there's a lot of ways. It's, you know, nothing bad. No, it's just... Like, for instance, I could send her a picture of herself sleeping, you know, just as a way of being like, hey, not cool what you did to Sally, you know? So you break into her house? Oh, she'd never know I was there. No, the whole point is to isolate her and make her feel like she's going insane. So I would just do little things, like replace her dog with a slightly different dog or, you know, change the furniture in her house so she thinks she's shrinking. You know, basic stuff. Most of it I learned in the military. Some of it on a subreddit. You know, basically you just plant a seed and then they just kind of hang themselves. So it's super nonviolent. But by the end of it, like her brain will have essentially eaten itself, you know. But that's on the table if you want it. Okay. I'm just so sorry this happened to you. Can I make you some tea or something? Or... Perry? Hmm. I need you to get away from me. <laughs> His revenge suggestion that he plant a seed in her mind that makes it eat itself <laughs> and isolate her and make her think she's going crazy. This gaslighting slash driving someone to suicide that he learned from reading subreddits <laughs> is uh, pretty disturbing to Sally, as you would expect. And of course, she wants him to leave immediately. He does not understand. He thinks he's being a supportive boyfriend. So just to you know, if you need it, an additional punctuation here to show just how out of touch he is with how regular people deal with things. And then just as he's leaving, this is the moment. It's nighttime and Annabelle Gish's character and her son are still waiting and she's laying out the plan. She's a little nervous and she pulls the trigger and shoots her son in the chest. Does he survive? We still don't know. I don't know if we will find out actually, but just another darkly comedic moment here. Very Coen Brothers-esque crime gone wrong type moment here but also maybe the point of this show if there is one <laughs> that vengeance often ends up hurting you more than hurts whoever you're enacting the vengeance upon going all the way back to the myth that was laid out in episode three and barry's just confused by all this he thinks he hears a gunshot then the car drives away he doesn't know what he missed doesn't know that potentially his life was in danger although remains questionable considering their level of skill and that's how we end up this episode. I'll leave my final re remarks for the end of episode six as well, since we're covering them both here. So episode six called 710N, which is a highway in California, which we will end up on later in this episode, opens with Fuchs in the desert, once again, talking to this motocross cyclist. And now with a whole crew she has, this gang of dirt biking toughs. <laughs> and, uh... In their estimation, he has served his purpose by giving them Barry's location 
and they shoot him in the chest and drive away, leave him for dead. Now, I have a question here within the context of the show of what is the timeline we're seeing? Uh, and I'll get into that, I guess. I'll save it for the breakdown because we see Fuchs shot in the desert. The gang drives away in their van. And Albert, the FBI agent, is continuing to berate them on their lax work. And he's basically being very logical here, saying <laughs> that we rolled in on those Chechens and the Bolivians were in the middle of attacking them. Why? Because they just got bombed. Who was behind the bombing? Noho Hank. But this detective still won't buy in on this story because he says, look at how silly Noho Hank is dressed. It's definitely the Raven. Look at that leather jacket. <laughs> this is how he judges his suspect. And this is when Albert starts to wonder about Barry, saying that this is not some random guy. This was obviously someone who's an operative who has military training and who fits this, you know, he's friends with Barry. He has this relationship with Barry. Barry saved his life. But who in this rogues gallery of suspects would fit the bill? And that person is Barry. And part of this revelation comes to him as he's talking to Sharon, who is another one of these people who've been caught up in Barry's plots and has had a loved one die. Definitely someone who would be on Fuchs list of contacts. Then we see, speaking of Coen brothers here, we see this really great sequence where <laughs> apparently there is this real hot spot in Los Angeles where you go to get your beignets, but you don't just go there for the beignets, which are supposedly delicious. You go there for the advice because you have this guy spitting out totally dude-ish, <laughs> if you think about the dude abides from uh, the Coen brothers, the Big Lebowski. But Sally comes here for career advice and it seems like Carrie's just, Sally may just be oversharing like she normally is. But he gives her some pretty good advice. You don't want to hang out with those dudes. Meanwhile, once again, I'm not sure if this is happening immediately after that conversation with Albert, but Sharon reaches out to Barry, having said that I read that article about you and Jean, and I'm getting some vets together, and I'd like you to attend. And Barry's very enthusiastic about this. He has very little social circle. He's desperately looking for a group of friends. He's lost his actor crew. He's lost Sally. He doesn't have Fuchs to moor him anymore. Jean's rejected him. And he's desperately flailing for any kind of camaraderie. So this seems like an, a door for him. Based on her wardrobe, I think this is immediately after she speaks with Albert. But I still wonder about the timeline here. I'll explain that in more detail here. Fuchs gets rescued from the desert by some kindly farmer. And here's where I think we're looking at two different timelines. How long could Fuchs take to recover? Give it a week? It's got to be minimal. And these motocross guys are tracking down Barry. So maybe that takes about a week. So I assume the Albert conversation with... Sharon is taking place later in that week, but we're seeing it in parallel. Maybe I'm overthinking this. <laughs> Maybe the plotting isn't that important, but I'm still just trying to figure it out in my own head because it doesn't quite line up. And of course, this beignet place is hopping. Apparently, everybody in this show has to show up at this beignet place. And you see Noho Hank has turned up to get his beignets and also get a little bit of wisdom from this pastry guru. And I think people really are oversharing here. <laughs> They're telling this guy all their most intimate details of their lives. And uh, no, Hank no Ho Hank basically reveals probably, you know, his, some of his criminal activities here as well. Gene gets more good news from his agent. They want to give him his own show, a masterclass that would be something that would be shown on TV, but also streaming, but also be a physical class. So this, in my mind, this is an interesting turn of events because I like to see Gene back on that stage training his students like we have seen in the previous seasons. 
And is this going to turn him back to the dark side? Or are we going to see this kinder, gentler gene in this version of this masterclass, this, this huge opportunity he has? And once again, another easy out for Gene to turn back to the dark side and go back to that selfish monster that he had been in the previously. But instead he says, I will do this only under one condition. And it has to be with his ex, Annie, doing the stage production. And she keeps saying, no, no, she's been burned so badly. Even though this sounds way too good to be true, he says, we'll do 50-50. And then he says, we'll do 80-20. She gets 80% control. And then as he walks out, he goes, you know what? How about this? 100% yours. So she, he's giving her the, the entire thing. The entire thing. That seems to be, given her circumstance, too good of an opportunity to pass up. And obviously, you don't hire this actress <laughs> to have her only show up. And she's doing great work here, by the way, to only do a few scenes. She is definitely coming back. Fuchs comes back from the dead. And once again, he hears the call of the goats. <laughs> he's back in Goatland. And he has that call again to the simple life. The simple life he passed up. And now yet another opportunity here with another completely age inappropriate young woman who's lusting after him for some bizarre reason and a goat farm to work and herd. And Fuchs once again seems to be maybe turning a corner, maybe turning away from this vengeful ways. He even gets a call from Detective Moss's father, who he had reached out to, and basically says, sorry, I don't have anything to tell you. So maybe, maybe. But of course, that's not going to be the case. Then we have a great scene. My wife, by the way, dictates all her texts. <laughs> So this is kind of what you expect to hear in these text messages that you get from her <laughs> sometimes. Hey, Sally, exclamation point. I just wanted to say I appreciate you for calling me out for being a, quote, violent asshole, end quote. I am sorry for all the shit I put you through over the past couple of weeks. Parentheses, yelling at you at work, comma, offering to break into your boss's house, comma, take sleeping pictures of her, etc., etc. in parentheses, wincing emoji. There is no excuses for that B period S exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Oh, man. This looks nice, and it's 40% off. Anyway, I don't think I'm going to do acting anymore. I found a new community with my Marine friends. I'm trying to move forward by going into the past like Marty McFly, LOL. Sir, you're talking too loud. Shit, I'm sorry. Just please be quacky. Shame Jonas Brothers. Ha ha fresh. Sally, I understand if you do not want to talk to me again, I will five you spaceship, brittle teeth in the sunshine. Barry. Jesus Christ, you touched a bullet. Not that that would ever be the content of her text messages, but she does dictate all her text messages, <laughs> which kind of gets some of the effect of that. Not only dictating her punctuation marks, but also the random background words that end up in the text message. Sally gets an offer to punch up the Medusa show. And once again, from the logistics of the plotting here, I assume she's going to take them up on this. And it's not necessarily a bad opportunity for her. Maybe it keeps her close enough to pitch Joplin somewhere else, her show Joplin, or maybe it leads to something else. But it does look like she's going to take the offer against her better judgment, honestly. By the way, Vanessa Beyer here from Saturday Night Live does a great scene that you really have to see to get the joke. But uh, when they're talking about the different feelings that you get from their writing styles, <laughs> very entertaining. So track it down if you haven't seen it. And she has a new uh, show out right now called I Love That For You. I think it's on Showtime, which I have not watched, but has been getting very good reviews. So just call that out. Meanwhile, Fuchs is having a tender moment with the farmer here. 
who's saying, my daughter likes you. This could be a life for you. You're a good person. And maybe that near-death experience is a sign from God. And he goes, maybe that's true. And that's when he sees the newspaper with the article about Gene and Barry. And he takes that as a sign from God, too, (laughs) that he has to go get his vengeance. (laughs) So, nope, he's not over this yet. And he reaches out to Detective Moss's father. (laughs) Then there's just a a bunch of really great comic scenes here towards the end. Just one that you'll probably forget, given how the show ends up. But Barry's roommates are preparing an audio audition, maybe for a podcast. Hey, maybe for a podcast. (laughs) Maybe you should come on this podcast. And the gaffer work here is just absolutely hilarious. (laughs) And I love when (laughs) he gets challenged to do a Jesse Jackson imitation. (laughs) He like basically gets (laughs) dared to do so. But of course, they have not noticed that the apartment is crawling with the motocross folks. Now, I have a question. How do they get here? Assumingly, Fuchs has been giving out Sally's address because that's where we saw the other vengeance seekers turning up. So have they potentially talked to Sally and then ended up here? Once again, not sure what's happening with the timeline on this show, given all of this has happened. But what they do find is a note, Beignets by Mitch. So that's where they head next. And that's where Barry happens to be at this very moment. I love Mitch's advice here. (laughs) And I love his anecdote he has here about people change, not quite at the level of what Barry's dealing with. You haven't seen these dudes in five years? Yeah, it's more like 12. Huh. Yeah, I'd tread lightly if I were you. Why? People change, man. Like, this one time I went to this 10-year reunion with these guys I used to deal drugs with, and they just, like, weren't the same dudes. Like, this one guy was, like, super MAGA, trying to get me on anti-CRT shit, and the other dude made me watch videos of dads rapping and is corny as fuck. Yeah, I don't see these guys being like that. You don't know. Trust me, like, I'll do like a Zoom sesh before you go for the full-on in-person hang. Just dip your toe. All right. No, no, Donnie, dip dip that toe. (laughs) You got to dip that toe first. (laughs) Don't overcommit. Don't overcommit. And this, of course, is the sequence that everyone's going to be talking about. We have a, a, and by the way, if you have HBO Max, track down the breaking down the scene here. Bill Hader directing this episode once again. He directed most of these episodes this season and kind of breaks down the, the whole way that they did this. And if you don't know how filmmaking is done and how these shows get put together, you think about the complexity of just this, just this one sequence, and you get just a taste of it here in this uh, behind the scenes uh, video, which is about four minutes long. I highly recommend you, you check it out. But Barry, of course, picked up those beignets because he's on the way to meet up with his former military friends, this dinner invitation that he, he's gotten from Shannon. And this is where the motocross folks run into him. They're like, hey, look, uh, I think I met, I found the guy. Look, they're snapping pictures of him through the window. This whole sequence is very funny. And they're like, what we should do? I guess we should shoot him. <laughs> so he drives quickly down the street, runs into another one of these cyclists that have gotten in front of him, gotten ahead of him based on their communications. And he just drives right into him. We actually see the body come flying through the, the window. <laughs> now, once again, just the logistics of this, the... Anybody who has a cursory investigation of all these different crimes, this kind of crime tsunami that is wherever Barry seems to be, whether it is his classmate being assassinated in his dramatic class, which, of course, raised alarms initially. And then, of course, the detective investigating him who suspected him in the first place also turning up dead and then potentially 
just a ring camera showing his car with the explosion damage and then just a cursory cursory investigation into what's happened happened to that car i should say probably in the shop if it's been repaired if this is the same one i believe it's the same car what was up with that car and why was it near that explosion and now <laughs> anybody who has uh, traffic cameras around this area of los angeles barry's car once again involved in this chase and just there's no way <laughs> that this whole disaster of a set piece has not been attracted attention from every level of police thumb and i assume unless this show is going straight up surreal at this point that this is going to raise lots of alarm bells in the upcoming episode so barry's car once again abandoned anybody who does a check on the papers are going to track down that this is barry berkman's car and now he has no car he crashed it into a light pole so he takes the dirt bike which is a little beat up and really not made for highway travel anyway and that's when he heads on to 710 north very funny sequence you see him driving through traffic and getting like beeped at with his motor his dirt bike on the highway just so many funny sequences here just the fact that these idiots would just have no regard for being caught as they're just machine gunning into this traffic jam of cars hand off is one of the greatest things here <laughs> trying to hand off the machine gun and these people are dead set on killing barry for that 1700 dollars slight like they literally have the morality of someone in a mad max movie <laughs> not sure what little they have left to live for because they're on a suicide mission at this point they end up at klein tops used cars barry sneaks inside the sister has now jumped onto the roof and is machine gunning into the used car lot trying to kill barry arbitrarily just shooting into there and this whole sequence is so hilarious. Like, I mean, the show really, <laughs> you either buy into this surreal, the surreality of this or not. But one of the sales people comes out with a shotgun and, and kills the sister. And when everybody's like, oh, is it clear? Is it clear? Okay, let's go back inside, everybody. Let's go back inside. I'm not sure I would just go right back to work. <laughs> Especially considering that the inside of the place has been totally demolished. And Barry just walks back out pretty much unnoticed. And then either on foot or maybe still taking that bicycle, that motorbike, he finally shows up at Shannon's house. And she serves in the beignets. He's the first one there. And that's when he sees the card. Kenneth Goulet has been there to visit. Of course, Kenneth Goulet is Fuchs' alter ego during this whole entire vengeance mission. And that's when Barry realizes that he's been poisoned. What did you put in the sauce? Die, you motherfucker. So where am I at with the show? This is probably the episode that everyone's going to be talking about. And this is going to be the episode that everybody's jumping on the bandwagon for Barry. This is just my personal taste. These are maybe the episodes I like the least in Barry. There was a even more over the top episode in season two, which is kind of legendary and in and of itself has its own little bottle episode. It's incredible visual accomplishment as a, you know, just for a television show to even have something on the air like that. This is the one with the father daughter karate team <laughs> like basically she's like some kind of indestructible monster by the end of that episode and it's entertaining in and of itself but it breaks any kind of tenuous reality i have with the show so that's all to say that you know i find it funny i just like when the show is a little more grounded because i think it's about something for real i really do think the show is about something and that's my preference but like i said i guarantee you people will be talking about this crazy highway sequence now where it leaves the show i mean we have two episodes yet to go theoretically barry could be dead right now of course he's not going to be dead there's no reason you would even introduce moss's father here as a potentially another vengeance vengeance seeker 
you wouldn't have Albert closing in on his investigation, circling in on Barry if he was dead now. And of course, they've already renewed the show for season four. Minor spoiler. I mean, this show is all over the place. I mean, as far as it's not afraid to break molds. So you could totally imagine this show having a Barry season without Barry. It's absolutely a possibility. But I can't imagine HBO giving that a green light. I think they have to keep Barry around. You have to keep these folks around to keep this show going. And how's it all going to pay out? I think uh, on the internet, this is a theory that has been floating for a while, is that potentially Gene takes the fall because he's also in all those places I just described. He suddenly has money. Where did that money come from? If the money's marked in some way by the Chechens, Barry gave it to him. So all of a sudden he has all that money. He's spending money around. And not only was Barry at all those different places, so was Gene. So Gene potentially, this is very sad, especially because he's been on this redemption tour. If Gene inadvertently ends up dead, he could just take the fall for all of this. And even though Barry's a much better suspect, <laughs> you could imagine someone building a pretty airtight case and Barry's dodged so many bullets already. Maybe he ends up letting this all get pinned on Gene and that would be terrible. It would be very terrible. Speak terribly of Barry's pers personality. But hey, he's been a pretty terrible person. In the end, he always makes a selfish choice. So... I wouldn't be surprised if that's the direction it goes in. And that theory has been floating around for a while now. I wasn't really bought in on it, but I think I am buying in on it now because what else is the out here for Barry? Honestly, anybody doing a cursory investigation of the facts of the case have got to say every single finger is pointing at Barry. And Barry's now in the newspaper. His profile's way too high, way too high. So I honestly worry, wonder, not worry, but I, I honestly wonder how can they even keep this thing going for another season? It seems unlikely. Uh, but, hey, stranger things have happened. The biggest mystery I have is how do they make another season of the show? <laughs> That's the big mystery I have. <laughs> uh, I'll watch it, whatever it is, I'll watch it because I have a lot of faith in these creators, but uh, it has been very entertaining so far and uh, interesting to see where all these characters end up, end up. I'd hope that they all land in good places, but remains to be seen. So I have done the breakdown of the episodes. I found these two episodes to be very funny. I liked the first of these two better than the most recent one, because even though everyone's going to be talking about this most recent episode, because it has the crazy, you know, uh, chase on 710 North, which is the 710 N is the name of the episode. So it has that whole crazy sequence on the highway. But for my taste, when the show gets really, really, really bizarre, you know, it's, you know, you, and you just saw this thing recently. So remember in season two where they had the crazy karate daughter and uh, father? <laughs> yeah. So like for me, that's like really the episode that everyone loves the most in Barry. And I love it as a standalone episode, but it makes me not take the character seriously as seriously. So I don't like when the show gets really, really bizarre, let's say. And uh, that may be the car chase. It's not as bizarre <laughs> as the karate it's not. couple. I, but it, I found it exciting. I didn't think it was bizarre. Think about it. You're saying it's not bizarre. They are basically saying because of the $1,700 that Barry owes them, they are basically on a suicide mission, right? Like they all end up dead, <laughs> except for the one guy in the car that uh, I love this, by the way, when he's trying to hand off the machine gun <laughs> and inadvertently <laughs> kills the guy who's riding the bicycle. <laughs> uh, there are no people in those cars either. I was looking around and I'm like, is he just shooting people dead? 
Oh, I mean, so, he, he might have shot those people dead. I mean, I liked it though. I thought it was fun. They shoot out into the uh, the uh, used car lot, like all those people, which I love, by the way. The whole thing that she like gets up on the roof, starts shooting into the car lot, arbitrarily, like potentially murdering dozens of people. They kill her with a shotgun, <laughs> and then I love the conversation among the people. They're like, "Oh, is it okay? Is it okay? All right, let's go back inside, everybody. <laughs> let's go back inside, everybody." I'm like, "I'm not going back to work. What are you talking about?" <laughs> I like that Barry never loses his package. I know he loves it. He has the beignets the whole entire time. That's it. He's not. I also love package. What's this guy's name? Tim is it beignets by by Matt by Mitt by Tim. I forget who it is, but I love this guy. He's like very much like the dude, a younger version of the dude from uh, the Big Lebowski with his like very folky knowledge, which is half like good advice, half like really stupid. (laughs) I thought all his advice was good, actually. (laughs) I love the one where he's coming back for more. Like he's yeah, they, so smart. They love the beignets, but they're really there for the advice. Everybody's very anxious to like start spilling the beans as soon as they walk up there. He's like a prophet. <laughs> yes. I yeah. would totally talk to him and like wait for his wisdom. I have great respect for this guy, by the way, after just knowing him from this, just a few minutes in this episode, because regardless of whether the advice is good or not, <laughs> what I like about it is that he loves making his beignets. He loves giving out his advice. And guess what? This is working. People are waiting on those lines for hours and hours. They have no problem waiting for the beignets. <laughs> He's a prophet. It's great. I also like the little joke that gets dovetailed with this most recent episode back to the previous one where Barry does his vision board for, for Sally. <laughs> one of the things he put on the vision board that he loves, these are the things that are all about him. He loves donuts, right? So beignets are really just like a slightly higher class version of donuts. So he's definitely very on brand. Her whole life is falling apart. She doesn't have a show anymore. I know. <laughs> Immediately canceled within less than a day. The next episode after we thought she was going to take off and all her dreams were coming true, regardless of whether or not Barry tortured her to get there. It was one episode. This probably does happen in Hollywood. I can see this happening. Well, I mean, I actually said it in my breakdown, but the audience clusters joke is not a joke that uh, Netflix has talked about this, how like they use this like audience clusters to know which shows they're going to renew and not. The difference, though, is that Netflix okays a whole show at once. So even Netflix does not cancel somebody after like half of one episode. <laughs> they actually wait and see how the show goes. So It's frustrating watching her with her people and everyone they talk to because I know their whole life depends on this, but I watch it and I'm like, oh my God, who cares? It's very frustrating to watch in like a way that is, you know, good for Barry, the show. Right, right. I froze the screen when you saw the front page with the three Medusas show. (laughs) And by the way, it has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. So this show (laughs) also got very good reviews. I like the plot to the show. Yes. So what do they do? They run a boutique and then freeze men with yeah, their they're Medusas. They have snake snakes for hair. hair. <laughs> yeah, they're Medusas. That's their show. I love the tagline. It's just like, just how does that work? <laughs> just don't stare. <laughs> you know, it, every time he ends up like surrounded by these lovely Spanish people who are feeding him and teaching him how to tend goats and also like pulling bullets out of his body. He always seems like he's in heaven. Yes. Yet he can't stay there. He just needs to torture Barry. He's like a cowboy at heart. I like that about him. I love when he like recovers from the bullet wound and uh, 
this is Fuchs, by the way. I, we jumped from uh, that talk about the Chechens to uh, to the to Fuchs, <laughs> but the uh, I love when uh, that you know he hears the goat. Did you notice? Like when he hears the goat, <laughs> great performance. He's so- He's so happy. <laughs> it's like his ears perk up. He's like, oh, is that a goat? Do I hear a goat? This is what he was meant to do. That's right. He's, he, he's meant to be a goat herder and he, he cannot, he keeps turning away the call. <laughs> the call of the goat herder. <laughs> yes. How would you ever know if you were meant to be a goat herder? But he You does. never know. You never know. He's, he's discovered but he it. he does. That's right. And, you know, he can't follow his dream because of his. He saw that variety article and it, it, it turns him the wrong way again. He's furious. <laughs> He's doing this to himself. But this show's really great because I like the storyline with his ex, like partner's family. That's a really good storyline. The guy he killed. I'm confused though by he's really happy to hear from the wife. He's so happy. Almost like he oh, has yeah. some sort of romantic feelings for her. So I guess he doesn't. He's just so I don't happy. Know if he has, I don't think he has romantic feelings. When Barry uh, does reach here from Sharon, I think her name is. And uh, yeah, I don't think it's romantic that he's like so excited to get that phone call. I think, you know, he's desperately looking for anything to ground him. He's like lost everything. And I think that, you know, she's like a, a lifeline in a way. Of course, she's there to kill him, though. <laughs> Barry has to die in this season. It's too many people hate him. It's I mean, and. He's yeah. becoming progressively less likable to yeah. watch. Well, I mean, I can't. I mean, they've already renewed the show for another year, so I can't imagine they're going to kill him off. But I don't know how they. I honestly, this is actually what I said in my recap. That's my, the big mystery for the show for me right now. The biggest mystery is how do you keep this on for another season? Like how how can he make it through another season? It's not it doesn't seem possible. Yeah, he's and, becoming less and less redeemable. So a few things. I, so let me get to the main questions I have for you as far as the logistics of the show. I have no idea where the show is going at this oh, point. Oh, I don't know either. I just I either. like that every time I watch it, there's so much action and things change all the time and you're never bored for a second. Yeah. Like, I mean, basically it's like, how does this show survive? Right. So just in practical terms, we know that he's obviously not dead now. They That would be very ballsy to kill off Barry here, but they obviously have not killed off Barry because why introduce Moss's dad at this moment? He obviously is going to become part of the plot and he's also gunning to kill Barry. And the theory I have, and this is not my theory, by the way, this has been floating around the internet and I kind of discounted it because I didn't think it was, you know, it was worth exploring, but maybe now it makes more sense is that some people were saying that somehow Gene is going to get this pinned on him. And I'm like thinking that right now, because Gene is literally in a legitimately, he's going on this like kind of forgiveness tour that is actually working out. He seems to have really turned a corner, legitimately seems to be a nice person now, which I think it means that he may very well have to die <laughs> according to the morals of the show. And uh, he was in all those places. So you can say, hey, you know, the classmate, Barry's classmate was assassinated and Gene was there and Gene was there. You know, his girlfriend got killed. And Gene, like, knows it tangentially is associated to some of these other events that happen as well. And now he has the money, all that money he got from the Chechens, because, of course, that came via Barry. So Barry's definitely the best suspect for all of this. But you can imagine some crazy circumstance where Gene ends up dead and they find this giant sack of money and it's the Chechen money. And they're going to be like, oh, Gene was the one who did it. And Barry just lets that lie. And he's like, OK, well. I guess Gene takes the fall. I mean, who else could take the fall for all this? I mean, Barry's so obviously the suspect here. I mean, his car has been involved in the explosion. He's like, you know, I'm sure he went to his car repaired. Anyone who checks his repair records knows that the car 
was, you know, damaged recently. Then he runs down a motorcyclist. You know, I mean, anyone just has to run the license plate number and know that that's Barry's license plate. And uh, and then, you know, there's a shootout on the highway. Anybody who saw that or has footage of it from the, you know, the helicopter or something could just basically follow Barry to this person's house. I mean, and not only that, um, what's his name? Uh, Albert, the, the, the guy who he rescued, who turns out to be an FBI agent now. He's obviously suspect number one when he goes, no, this isn't just some random person. This is somebody who has military training. And he goes, hmm, like he's thinking, Barry, Barry has military training. Barry lost his shit one day and killed everybody in one town. Hmm. And the Chechens all got murdered one day. Hmm. All seeming start pointing to, to Barry. I mean, Barry's such an obvious suspect. Like, how does he not get arrested? <laughs> it's impossible. It's impossible. He, if I mean, if there's a way to pin it on fugues, then... That would be the best ending for Barry. That would be the best. Maybe Fuchs could actually, by the way, maybe that's a good theory for you. If Fuchs somehow has a, a turn as well, maybe Fuchs makes his you know, atonement to Barry by taking the fall. Maybe, you know, and then that cop gets to be like, I always knew it was the Raven. <laughs> that whole bullshit Raven story might play out anyway. I wonder what's going to happen. I just <laughs> hope that. You know, Fugues gets to hang out with goats and that Barry somehow redeems himself to us, the viewers, so that I don't know why I want that, but that's what I want. That's what's tricky about the show, though, right, is that if you want to figure out how to fix everybody, we know like Crystal Ball and Hank could end up together. Right. And you see that um, uh, Gene ends up, you know, making reparations with his ex and they do this master class and he starts teaching these students the right way instead of being jealous about them and everything, actually, you know, being more humble and, and productive because he is a good teacher. I could sometimes. see that. I could see him doing that. Yeah. I mean, that's what's crazy about the show. The show has given us a path for happiness for everybody. And yet we have Barry. And how do you fix Barry? We still don't know how to fix Barry. Honestly, if he stops acting and he stops killing he would literally just randomly pick something like maybe start making beignets with Tim <laughs> and uh, just basically say like, this is my calling now because he's like a vacuum. If he has like wants and desires, we don't know what those things are. He's crazy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's no way to make him sane either. That's why I don't know where the show is going. That's I why have, I don't know how you fix him. I don't exactly. know how to predict it. You can't really fix him. You would just have to turn them into something that is acceptable for society so we can live amongst us, other people, and not just kill people. (laughs) Right. That's what has to happen. Uh, So one more topic before we wrap up the, um, you saw Top Gun, right? I love Top Gun. It was very fun. The kids loved it. Yeah. I was, I I mean, there might not be that much to say about it. I was like, yeah, I felt the same way. I felt it was like a a lot of entertainment. It was very entertaining. It's probably a better movie than the first one. The first one was a little cheesy in my opinion. And, uh, and yeah, I thought it was interesting to see. um, It's pretty funny, you know, like Tom Cruise years ago was supposed to in the fourth mission impossible movie, he was supposed to pass the baton to Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner was supposed to be the new hotshot, you know, agent and, Top, um, Tom Cruise was to like transition into like a secondary role. <clears throat> and uh, he's like, you know, and then he agreed to do that. And then he said, absolutely not. I am going to continue to be this superhero. And he's going to turn 60 years old this year, 60 years old. He looks and really good. He does. Yeah. And I just thought it was very funny that, you know, the scenes here in this movie, when 
they're like saying, Hey, you know what happened to you? you know, 36 years ago, you're still doing the same thing. What, what happened? And I, it's almost like Tom Cruise, what happened to your career? And I remember you used to make like all these different uh, types of movies. And now you just like hang off of uh, rocket ships and stuff and like try not to die. They were doing your own stunts. He's like, eh, that's a good question. And it's almost like, you know, he's uh, it's like uh, the whole thing is like kind of a metaphor for Tom Cruise being like, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm never going to quit. I'll be 70 years old. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm not quitting. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, I think crazy. that's admirable that he found a niche that's this dangerous and this physical. I mean, people his age, there are people out there who can't even bend over and tie their <laughs> shoes. Exactly. They yep. can't. And then this guy is, you know, flying planes and hanging from cliffs and good for him. That's amazing. And he's got those two back-to-back Mission Impossible movies that he's making right now. Which been shooting I saw them the for like previews. Three years. Well, the, the trailers, they yeah. look so good. Mission Impossible movies, I'm Great. addicted to them. They're, yeah. Everything about them is amazing. Just the visuals alone are thrilling. And here's this guy, and he knows what he's doing. He's in these beautiful locations, and he's doing all these stunts. And we're aware that he's doing most of these stunts by himself. Or is it all of them? Does he do all of them? He doesn't do all of them, but he does a lot of his own stunts. I thought the love story was also believable. Yeah, I thought they were like relatively age appropriate, which I thought was good. You know, she looked, and I said, I said that in my review, it was just like, you know, uh, nice to see these like relatively uh, age appropriate people being a romance together. <laughs> Although, like, n- people have not aged <laughs> like these folks have aged, you know, so we don't look, we don't look like those people. So <laughs> I was watching them on dates and I'm like, look at these two gorgeous exactly. specimen of humans. <laughs> exactly. Look at them. When you we walk all, around, we should all look like, that some, great you know, in our some 50s. people are very attractive, but yeah, they were like movie star perfect, exactly. getting off their motorcycles and they're on boats. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a giant. I mean, at the end when she's like leaning against the Porsche, it's like something out of a, a fashion ad. I like movies that do that to me, though, when I look at them and they look like a fashion ad. So I found Top Gun to be visually stimulating. I need that in a movie. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it was fantastic. <clears throat> Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right. Oh, that's the thing I wanted to mention to you. So next week, I was thinking maybe we talk about Barry a little bit, but I think we should wrap up Shining Girls because the finale is next week. So I think maybe we ah. touch base like on Friday night or Saturday, yeah. and then we'll uh, give our final decree on whether people should watch Shining Girls or not, because I thought this week was really good, although we still have no idea what's going on. <laughs> But it was I'm still interested. interested. I know. And only one episode to go. So, hey, (laughs) I mean, there's only this very, very limited time commitment left to to make. I'll hang in there for one more episode. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. I will talk to you later this week. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. So once again, check in later this week. I'll be talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi again. I'll be talking about the boys, the first three episodes of the boys. Was not a huge fan of those first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I do know they had a lot of production issues that they then went and changed a lot of stuff to try to fix the show. So maybe those fixes start to happen in episode three. I want to like this show, so I will see how that goes. Check out my Stranger Things and Top Gun review over the weekend as well, this past weekend. And next weekend, expect to see my sister and I discussing the finale of Shining Girls. Shining Girls actually had yet another good episode this week. Nobody's watching this show. (laughs) I know nobody's watching this show. I look at our statistics on our episodes and people listen to the Barry content and they pretty much skip (laughs) the Shining Girl content. So I do know that's happening, everybody. But we have covered this much of the show. We're going to watch it to the end. And I did like last week's episode, which I did not cover yet. 
but I will be having a conversation with my sister this weekend about the finale of the show. How satisfied is she with it? Can it nail the landing? Because I think for this show to become a show that people binge later on, it has to have a very satisfying ending. And with just one episode to go, the mystery is intriguing, but still unresolved. So that does remain to be seen. I'll give you my final opinion over this weekend. I'll probably do like a spoiler-free pitch for the show and then do a full breakdown of the finale. So if you are one of those few people who are watching Shining Girls, do stay tuned. We will be covering it over the weekend. All right. Talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend if you're catching this early and go enjoy that nice weather.